You're listening to the Sketchnote Army Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. This episode of the Sketchnote Army Podcast is brought to you by the Sketchnote Handbook that tells the story of how I solved a note-taking problem and in the process coined the term sketchnotes. My best-selling book teaches you how to draw simply to capture ideas instead of worrying about art quality. It features simple-to-follow steps for building your drawing skills, helps you create a visual library, and showcases a wide variety of sketchnotes by global creators. Best of all, it's designed as a book-length sketchnote. Pick up a copy of the Sketchnote Handbook for yourself or for someone you just know will love sketchnoting. To learn more about my books, visit roadesign.com books. Use the code RODY40 for 40% off the book at peachpit.com. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Rohde. Um, I wanted to catch you before the group of us started talking about iPad Pros. Um, as you'll hear in a minute, we have a group, a star-studded group of people talking about the iPad Pro and how it's working for them. Um, but before we do that, I have uh, my friend and fellow sketchnoter, uh, Michael Clayton on the line here with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about the announcement that happened after we recorded this amazing panel discussion uh, from Apple. So they made some changes. Mike, um, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Mike. It's good to be back again. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, maybe you should become my, my permanent sidekick or something. I don't know. We'll to <laughs> yes, about I will that. be the Ed McMahon to your... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Our audience doesn't little... know who they are, so we'll just leave that joke <laughs> yeah. there. Old man joke. Um, <laughs> so, Mike, talk a little bit about uh, what you what's happened with Apple in the last uh, couple months since we recorded that that panel. Uh, that that you can inform people that are listening to the show. Just to we want to set a little context so that when you go and listen to the show, you realize there's more to the story. If there's one thing that we've learned with the iPad and with technology in general is that the only thing that's constant is change. Um, and they keep doing that. And there's been a couple of announcements since we had that panel. What was it about two months ago? I think is when we talked about something it. like that. Yeah, I think so. You know, we've had two of the things that came is, is number one, we had, uh, the, the introduction of a couple of new iPads. They updated the iPad air and then they updated the iPad mini, which had sat dormantly quiet for several years. And we thought they were just mm -hmm. going to phase them out, but they brought them back with a vengeance. Um, then the other thing is just, a just about a, oh, a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago, um, they announced an iPad OS. So now we'll have a separate phone OS, a, se a separate, uh, laptop OS. And now it will have, um, just its own, its own iPad OS, uh, which is really going to be opening up a bunch of doors, um, for, mm -hmm. Uh, developers to do some pretty sweet things um, with it. So yeah, the two major announcements. Number one is two iPads we thought they were going to to get rid of are back, and iOS, which has been shared with the phone for a long time, is going to be split out and get its own place in the world. Yeah, I think both those things are exciting. Um, I was looking at the specs, and it looks like the Air and the Mini, which you would think are probably the low end. Um, actually have maybe the better specs than the uh, education-focused plain old iPad. So the plain iPad, it starts at 329. It's a 9.7 screen, and it's got up to 128 gigs of storage, which is a lot, but you know not as much as the others. And it's got the A10 chip, so it's 
plenty powerful enough to handle it. It supports the original Apple Pencil, so you know all of us with the the new iPad Pros can sell their their old pencils off to iPad Mini and iPad Air and iPad users. But um, both the Mini and the Air both have the A12 chip, which is um, almost as fast as the Pro. And they both have the 256 storage. So if you need to do lots of drawing or store imagery or something like that, those are pretty powerful. They, again, still only support the the original Apple Pencil. Um, but, you know, honestly, I think that the guts of the two pencils are, as far as I'm concerned, identical. All that you're losing is the ability to charge it with a magnet on the side, which for some people, you know, maybe that's not that big of a deal, especially for the cost difference. Oh, and don't forget that double tap. Yeah, the double tap, which we both just shut off, shut off today. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, and I, I think what the what the interesting thing about all of this is is a lot of people are saying that, um, and it kind of harkens back. I'm, I'm going to make a really bad analogy, but it's something that you brought <laughs> up last week when Apple also uh, announced their new um, iMac Pro, or not? No, the Mac Pro. You know, mm-hmm. the Mac Pro is this high-end $5,000 machine with this screen that's another $1,000 or $5,000 with a $1,000 stand. And people are saying, hey, that's too expensive. And, you know, we kicked back and said, no, that's not made for you. You shouldn't complain about it because that's not made for you. And I think that when it comes to the iPad, I think a lot of people are mad that the iPad Pro is so expensive when really the iPad Pro isn't made for the general everyday user. And I think that's why... They, they, for lack of a better pun, you know, breathe new life into the iPad Air, you know, because for $500 now, you can get a base system that uses the iPad Pencil very well. Um, it's very light, has really good, uh, you know, uh, uh, specs on it. And then if that $500 price tag is a little bit too much for you, um, and the size is a little bit too big, you know, jumping down to the 7.9 inch iPad mini, that has, you know, the A12 chip is in that one as well and, you know, uses a retina display um, mm-hmm. and the Apple Pencil, you know, for 400 bucks, that that really, really can't be beat. I mean, even if we're talking about someone, you know, within the within the education space. And right. Then and if you there's the iPad, pen- you know, the regular iPads there for the education space, right, at 329 with Yeah, I mean, so you're looking stuff. at 329 versus 399 versus 5 or 499. So you've got a really good range of low-end iPads that can use the Apple Pencil for many, you know, of the normal tasks where the iPad Pro now, we can definitely say is something for more of a pro user or dare I say an Apple fan that just needs to have the biggest and the best. Right, right. And I think the the other exciting uh, announcement sort of feeds into the hardware part of it. So first we got the hardware update, which was, I don't know, a month and a half ago or something like that. It's just after our podcast recording, which you'll hear in a sec. Uh, the other part is the uh, iPad OS, which one of the things that, that they mentioned was um, the ability to do dual screens. So you could have a screen. So let's say we're going to a sketch note, let's say, and you've got Procreate or uh, paper or something on one side, and you wanted to get reference, like you wanted to look up an icon or you wanted to look up a picture of something. You could have that on the left screen and you could bring it up and then... You could save that as, it sounds like you can save that as a view, create a new view and have another Safari with something else in it and another document with something. And you could like be switching and, and doing stuff. But the other thing that I thought was interesting is they talked about that they've improved um, the re- 
the the ability of the pencil to be faster. I think it was they dropped it from like 20 or 26 millisecond reaction time down to nine millisecond. And I don't know which what hardware that's on, but I would suspect that all these iPads have probably just improved only with software. Um, so even the Mini and the Air and even the basic iPad will probably see some gains around that because I imagine they probably aren't going to offer hardware that doesn't run the iPad OS. So I think there's some exciting stuff ahead, whatever it looks like. We don't know what's exactly going to be in there, but I think having these variety of tools, um, I think is going to be really helpful for anybody who wants to get into sketchnoting at any level using some kind of a digital tool. Yeah. And I think the other thing from, from a, from a Mac user standpoint, from someone who has both the iPad and the desktop, um, or the laptop is I think that the lines are blurring between the use of the desktop and the use of the of the iPad and with the possibility of using the iPad as a second screen to your existing laptop and your existing desktop um, that brings a whole bunch of questions into well the touch work you know if you're if you're sharing your screen between the iPad and your desktop you know will your gestures take control of the of the desktop mm -hmm. will the um you know will you be able to use you know photoshop now um on your full-blown ipad using just gestures um and other things like that so there's yeah there's some really interesting questions that can come in the future with this idea of of the merging of the technologies um of of things like that and I think we'll still hear people say, you know, questions of like, can the iPad Pro really replace the PC? Um, and I think that that's, I think that's where it's probably going to be headed. And again, mm -hmm. another reason that they did the, the, the refreshes on the iPad Air and the iPad Mini. Mm -hmm. Yep, they're, they're covering a pretty wide swath of ground all the way from an entry level, like your, gram your grandma or your kids using it to do things right on a trip or something all the way up to like, you know, you're at a sketchnote event and you're sketchnoting a talk, right, for 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 pay, right? So that whole span is is there. And I, I have to say, before we get off the topic of hardware, I had an iPad Mini for many years. That was still it's still one of my favorite iPads. I think it was just like the perfect size. Um, it was a little the screen was a little bit small for me, but I could definitely see with a pencil that could be a really attractive field tool if you're going to go out in the field and do sketching or sketchnoting or something. That could be a really interesting tool for someone. And again, that was is my favorite piece of hardware. As much as I love the iPad Pro, I think that's the the 11 inch is a really good fit for me and what I do every day. But I still miss that little mini being able to throw it in any bag or carry it around. And having that tiny size is really great. Well, I still have my original uh, Apple iPad Mini 2 that came out in 2013. And I still use it this day. I mean, I use it almost every day. Um, mm. it, 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 I keep it in my scripture case cause it's small enough that it can stay in mm -hmm. there. Um, mm -hmm. and then even when I travel on an airplane, I prefer that over my iPad pro, you know, when yeah. watching videos because, you know, it had a huge hard drive in it. Um, it is a smaller form factor and I don't have to, you know, look pretentious when I take my giant iPad out of my bag <laughs> and force my neighbors on the plane to watch what I watch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you nope. know, and, and plus, our, my kid, our kids have claimed our, our little mini, so it's, it's long gone now, but, but like you said, you know, for field work and for smaller things and even for, for kids, um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't feel bad handing a $330 iPad to a 
a child saying, here, go ahead and use this on a daily basis. I may have a little bit of a problem handing them a $1,500 iPad Pro and saying, right. You know, Right. So, I mean, the good news is, um, as you're about to get into this panel discussion, we have about the actual details of using the iPad Pro specifically, is if you're not ready for the iPad Pro, and we, we discussed it in the in the episode, like um, who this is for, right? If you're not ready to go to that level, if this is just, if that's just a little too expensive, the great news is that there's lots of options in hardware and that the that the operating system that runs all these machines is also coming around to support you and make your life uh, easier and better. And it's going to open it up, I think, for developers, a lot of the moves that they're making. It's just going to make even more great tools available from the software side to support the hardware. So things are good. I think things are getting better. It's really good news. All right, Mike. Well, um, we probably need to stop so we can get right to the episode. And you can hear um, the group of other people. We've got uh, Rob DeMio. We've got Steve Silbert. We've got Mauro Ticelli. Of course, myself and uh, and Mike are on the show as well, and uh, you'll hear us talking about the iPad Pro in, in detail. So uh, get ready to to take notes and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks, Mike, for coming on the show with me. Now, oh, thanks for the invite. You're always welcome. And now on with the show. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Sketchnote Army podcast. I'm your host, Mike Grody, and I have got a panel of people here to talk about the iPad Pro. Almost, almost four years in, I'm here with. Um, Michael Clayton, Rob DeMio, Mauro Toselli, and Steve Silbert, who are here to talk a little bit about their experiences with the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil, and sort of give their take on the new hardware, uh, the advance of software, um, and any accessories that we've discovered in the in the three and a half, four years that we've all been using these iPad Pro devices. So let's get started with, um, with uh, Michael Clayton. Hi, my name is Mike Clayton, uh, also known as Prof Clayton, hailing from San Antonio, Texas. Rob. It's Rob DeMio. I uh, live in Germantown, Maryland, and you can find me at, uh, at Rob underscore DeMio on most social media. Mauro. M- Mauro Toselli here. My nickname is uh, X Lontra X. Everywhere, I think. I live in Italy, 50 kilometers north from uh, Milan. And Steve. Hi, I'm Steve Silbert from Jacksonville, Florida, and you can find me all over social media at Steve Silbert. Great. Well, thanks for coming, guys, and uh, being on the on the panel. Um, so let's just get right into it. So uh, I think most of us, but not all of us, have the newer generation iPad Pro, and I think all of us have at least had the one of the original versions. So let's first go around the horn and, and talk about what's the hardware that you're running. So talk about what's your generation and the screen size. Uh, and then um, I want to hear pros and cons of the device that you use. So my, Mr. Clayton. All right. So let's see. Uh, when the iPad was announced back in November of 2015, um, as an educator, I jumped right on it, and also as an educator, was one of the last to have it delivered to me. Um, so I've had, I got the original 12-inch, uh, the big guy, and I've had that and used that exclusively up until about a month ago when I sold it and got the new iPad Pro 9.7. Um, I had an Apple Pencil uh, Generation 1 for that entire time. And I am still awaiting my Apple Pencil number two, but it has shipped and I will be getting it on Tuesday. So I'm pretty excited for that. 
So what were your pros? What are the pros and cons uh, of using the new iPad Pro versus the old one for you? What? How did you make that decision? Oh, number one, it was really easy for me. Uh, three weeks after my warranty expired, my three years of Apple Care expired on my big guy. My home button got stuck and would not do anything, so I had to turn on the uh, adaptive assist button. And I was just like, you know what, now would be a good time to change. And so I sold my old one to a student and uh, promptly, well, before I sold it, um, I wanted to make sure I had the other one. And so as soon as it came, I did a crossover. And now I am the owner of a shiny brand new 9.7. And my student is uh, an owner of a slightly used. And uh, I did I did decrease the price of the iPad by the cost of fixing the home button. So if they decide oh, nice to go guy. do it, uh, they can they can get it fixed. But uh, yeah, so for three years, I was a power user um, on that big iPad Pro. Uh, but I'm kind of mm. um, I'm kind of in love with the small form factor uh, of the 9.7. And we'll talk about that later. So, Rob, why don't you talk a little bit about your journey, um, what the hardware you're using, and what were your pros and cons and your upgrade rationale? Well, I originally started um, with a uh, tablet that wasn't an iPad. I got uh, hmm. um, a, uh, one of those Samsung Galaxy Note Pros and uh, used that for a few years for doing digital sketch notes. And so that's sort of where I cut my teeth. But then I upgraded to the uh, the iPad Pro back in 2016, I think it was. So it had been out for a little while, um, and I got the uh, the 12.9. I wanted the really big um, screen size, um, and I didn't really mind uh, carrying that around. But uh, when the new one came out <clears throat> last year, I got uh, I was interested in in upgrading. Um, I was starting to see a little bit of um, lag with the. Uh, with some of the apps that I was using, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it's still still a great system. But um, so now I've got the uh, the new 12.9 iPad Pro with the uh, the second generation Apple Pencil, and uh, I've got some other accessories that uh, I'll talk about in a bit. But the advantages are it's got uh, it's got the full 12.9 inch screen. Um, it's extremely fast. Um, it's got a slightly smaller form factor because they've gotten rid of the home button. So it's, it's all gesture controlled now. And the, um, um, the, it's got great battery life as far as I've been able to tell. And the, the second generation Apple pencil is nice because it uh, charges through magnetic contact as opposed to the, uh, what I, I thought it was a flawed design to stick the old Apple pencil into the, uh, into the end of it. I mean, that was just waiting for, uh, for it to break. So, um, so that's, uh, those are the pros of the, uh, the new iPad in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, let's go to Mauro. Mauro, I think you're still using an original iPad pro, which is just fine. Uh, tell us a little bit why you've decided not to upgrade and what, how that's working for you. Yes, I've, I still have my original, uh, version one uh, iPad pro 12.9 and, uh, the, the original uh, Apple Pencil, and uh, well, it's uh, I'm I'm famous for not taking my iPad outside my home very very often, and uh, uh, until now is uh, brand new without a scratch and uh, and nothing, and uh, I use it, uh, it very a lot, 
a lot for uh, any kind of uh, of use, but uh, mainly for uh, for drawing. I'm pretty minimalistic. I don't use a lot of a uh, lot of app, and uh, uh, I still have it, and uh, I don't feel the urge to to change because uh, it works uh, very well. And the battery time, even uh, if uh, it's starting to become a little bit uh, older, is not. Uh, uh the 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 same as uh, when it was new but it is uh, is enough for me and uh, uh the speed and uh it's uh, it's more than enough and uh, at the moment i don't need nothing more hmm. excellent steve silver talk about uh, your setup and what you're using these days i've owned every generation of ipad we have a hand me down policy in my house so my wife always has a device one gen back from mine. I'm currently running the 12.9 Pro with the second gen Apple Pencil. I love the big screen partly because of having a larger canvas size to work with and partly because it gives you the ability to split the screens and have two apps concurrently running and being very visible. Uh, and the smaller bezel size makes me feel like I'm getting more screen and less wasted space for the money. The response to the Apple Pencil feels good to me. And with the iPad, the Pencil, and the AirPods coupled into one system, I've got a massively powerful tool for online collaborations in my hand. The USB-C 3 had me scratch my head at first, but my current laptop uses it, so that's good. I don't have to carry around extra cords or accessories. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I And uh, I guess on the last one, I... Ran with a 9.7 iPad Pro. I waited till the smaller one uh, released, which was, I think, about a year after the original. Mainly because I travel a bit and wanted that size, a little bit smaller size. So I um, passed it along to my wife, who loves it. She uses it all the time. Uh, we Part of the thing that tipped us was I got a printer that could handle uh, mobile device printing. So that really made it easy uh, for her to use it in a, an effective way. And then I uh, upgraded to the 10.5 um, version, which... I agree the the smaller bezels are nice. feels like you get more screen in the same amount of space, which is pretty handy. So um, it's been a good transition. Um, I think while we're talking about hardware, let's let's start stepping into maybe some of the some of the pro little more of the pros and cons. So some of the things I have that I was thinking about was uh, any issues with USB C um, and or face ID or do the narrower bezels cause any issues with like uh, grabbing things? Is let's talk about the magnetic pencil. You know, is are the lack of ports a problem? Um, I think uh, battery life is probably going to be good, especially since these are new. So I don't know that that's really a topic. But um, talk a little bit about these things. Uh, each one of you. I think uh, if if I remember, Rob, you had a few criticisms of some things. So maybe let's start with you. Sure. Um... But overall, I think it's a it's a fantastic fantastic system. The uh, the Apple Pencil, uh, the second generation Pencil plus the iPad um, device itself. Um, but a few niggling things. One is the 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 conversion to the USB C, but now there's no um, audio uh, jack, a three and a half millimeter audio jack um, that lets you get audio out of the device, and so. Um, I often do presentations from my iPad, and when I'm doing workshops, um, I like to show video, which obviously includes both um, moving images as well as the audio channel. 
And uh, so I have two adapters. One is um, Apple's uh, um, HDMI out, which um, that one jack, of course, includes audio and video. But uh, we still have a lot of conference rooms that have VGA inputs. And so I need the VGA out um, to go from the iPad device to uh, to our projection system. But one of the problems is, is that there's the, the audio doesn't go through that VGA um, VGA plug. And the, uh, the, the jack that they give you from Apple doesn't have an audio out. And so um, there's some workarounds uh, in some hoops you got to jump through um, to do that. Um, I think Michael Clayton was able to come across one of the, uh, uh, one of the devices uh, that are able to um, take care of that. Regarding the the second generation Apple Pencil, so they included this um, nice feature that allows you to tap near the uh, the end of the pencil, um, which uh, changes the functionality of the the pencil to an erase function, uh, particularly in apps like Procreate. Um, but I was finding when I was using that that um, when I was using the pencil, I would accidentally tap the end of it and it would change, and so that was getting to be a little bit. Uh, of an inconvenience or an annoyance for me. And so you can actually change that in the settings for the device itself, for the iPad to disable that, which I did. But in addition to that, one of my early criticisms of the first Apple Pencil was it was really, really slippery. And so when I would try and grip it to, to use it on the device, um, what I what I found was that the um, my hand would, uh, uh, what I found was my hand would slide down the Apple Pencil. And so I put a grip on it. Well, I did, had to do the same thing with the new pencil, even though the texture has changed some. Um, but uh, generally putting this on, putting the uh, the grip on there seems to uh, work well. And it doesn't interfere with the tap once you've disabled it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, are there any other thoughts about the hardware while we're talking on that topic um, that anyone has? I think um, I seem to remember, Mike, you talked about some issues um, that you noticed trans uh transitioning from the original ipad to the new one regarding the pencil <laughs> yeah you, so you um you know i like like rob i, I kind of had a problem with the slickeriness of the apple pencil and uh, being able to hold on to it but the amazon is riddled with uh, a bunch of um sleeves and cases and stickers and stuff to kind of help reduce the the slip on that and uh i know that uh um I know that, uh, that there's lots of things, and, and Rob will talk about one of his his uh, tricks that he's he's done a little bit later. But when it came to to me getting the new iPad Pro, I was really excited for it because um, my logic is, you know, Apple always has, uh, you know, um, upgraded things and how things are are used, and it should be easy. And I was really dismayed when I got my new iPad Pro. And I went to try to uh, pair my Apple Pencil Generation 1. And I guess I didn't do my research very well. But with the lack of the lightning port, there's no way for you to try to uh, get it to, to go. Um, and so I figured there might be, you know, something. So I did some research, actually, and found out that the Apple Pencil 1 is no, in no way able to connect to the, the iPad Pro 2 kind of a, or the updated version. And so I was at a loss. I went from using the Apple Pencil 1 to just using my fingers. Um, 
But one of the cool things that Apple released about a year ago uh, was an updated iPad. Um, it's not an iPad Pro, it's just an iPad, but it actually is uh, compatible with the Apple One Pencil. And so I bought one for my students to use and had a pencil paired to, to that. And I realized that my daughter, uh, my 13-year-old daughter, she had gotten an iPad for Christmas. And so I hollered at her and she came in and I gifted her my Apple Pencil One. And uh, within five minutes, I started getting a bunch of parental notifications asking for different drawing software, uh, coloring software, and things like that. And so she um, is, is loving uh, the Apple Pencil One. So a note to those out there who are thinking of upgrading, if you love your Apple Pencil One, you're going to have to get an Apple Pencil Two or some other stylus to work with it because, um, yeah, it's not going to work. I, this is a part of that um, challenge because uh, with the original iPads, I think if I remember right, in order to to um, pair the Apple Pencil One with the device, you had to plug it into it, physically plug it into it. You, and you I imagine did. you, I'm, I'm sure that you probably tried like plugging in a lightning adapter into a USB-C adapter and that probably didn't work so well. Yep. And the thing is, is there's a wonderful video by the guys at uh, Macworld who they tried many different things to get it to pair and it would never pair. And so... They were actually kind of upset. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because I mean, if there's Bluetooth there, there should be a way to do it. But obviously, they're different. I think my sense is that the guts of the pencil are identical. I don't honestly, I can't tell the difference between the two. Like other than the shape of it, and it's magnetically charged, it feels the same. I don't think the quality's improved or anything. So they must have just closed off that loophole. It'd be interesting. I I, I doubt we'll ever find out why, but. So it goes. I wanted to mention one last thing while we're still on hardware for those that are listening. A couple of options. Um, there is a new iPad. It's not a Pro. It's just called the, I think it's the iPad 9.7. What's interesting about it was released about, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, something like that by Apple for the education market. And the reason they uh, offered it was it was a lot cheaper. It's around $400, I think, $399. Mm-hmm. And it it does work with the original Apple Pencil uh, 1 or, you know, whatever that, the original kind that you plug in with a lightning port. But it's pretty reasonably priced. It's the same size as the iPad Pro 9.7. It's got the same screen. So, you know, the screen has got to be there for it to work with the pencil. So if you're thinking about doing this, let's say you're listening and you haven't upgraded to an iPad Pro at all, uh, that might be a path forward for you that's not going to be so expensive as the as the iPad Pro's. And then probably the other thought might be looking into refurbished or used devices, sort of like the student that purchased uh, his from from Mike. That might be another option. If you're thinking you want to get into the hardware and you want to keep the price reasonable, uh, that's something to consider. Well, and one of the things, too, about the uh, the iPad 9.7, um, the, the touch is a little bit different. There's not as many levels of pressure sensitivity uh, there mm. are some limits to the hardware. It is a basic connector. And so the iPad pencil for that one is more of a stylus than actual mm. features okay. of, of other things. And so that's a, a limit too. Um, not skipping ahead too much, but talking about accessories um, for educators, Logitech uh, has a, a case keyboard combo with what they call the Logitech crayon, not the Apple pencil. And the crayon is about 70 bucks, and the keyboard is about 65 or 80 And when you pair those two things together, it's a nice rugged case uh, for primary education and has a slot to hold the, uh, the Logitech crayon. So if you want to hmm. just go on to 
uh, Amazon and type in Logitech Crayon and Logitech Apple Case, you'll see both of those things together. And I think you can buy them in a pair. And so that mm. is a, a nice, safe way to to do it. If you don't want to spend the $100 on the Apple Pencil, you can spend just the 70 to get the crayon. Mm. That's that's good in context to pencil discussion that we're having. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other? F- I think we probably covered the hardware pretty well. Uh, let's jump now to software and let's go back around, starting with you, Mike. Uh, what software are you using with your uh, iPad Pro, and what is is there been any any change since you first started? So I have an entire screen on my iPad Pro that's dedicated to icons for drawing software. And while I might have twenty icons on that page, there's really only three. Uh, that I use. Um, I'm in no means a a power user uh, to the effect of some other people on the panel, so I'll let them talk a little bit more about each of those. Um, But if I were to go from from most used to least used, um, Procreate is my app of choice. It's a wonderful full-fledged, full-brushed, full-layered, full-color, full-featured app that works wonderfully. Um, Second is uh, Paper by 53. Again, a wonderful app, a use, nice user interface, uh, limited features, but powerful tools. And then because, of, and then number three, because of my old days using Wacom um, and different tablets and different screens and stuff like that, I am a fan of Sketchbook Pro. Um, I've used Sketchbook Pro on my on my Mac and PC for decades now, um, but it was nice to see a version of that on the iPad. Uh, I used to use that a lot until I came across Procreate. Um, and so if there's three drawing apps to take a look at, number one, Procreate, number two, Paper 53, and number three, Sketchbook Pro. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. There's Adobe suite of apps. There's um, other drawing ones, but they just fail in comparison and I don't even think need to be mentioned. So those are the hmm. three that that uh, that I play with quite regularly. Hmm. So, Rob, um, I know that you're like the Procreate King on the panel. Um, I'm a big fan of it as well, but you're really deep into it, and you've done lots of work with it. Talk a little bit about your setup there and uh, if if there's any other tools that you use in addition. Um, So uh, the iPad Pro, Apple Pencil, plus uh, Procreate is, for me, the ideal way to, to... make digital sketch notes and it's been my uh, uh combination of choice since um 2016 when i got the uh the my first ipad pro um now michael is exactly right about procreate it's full featured which means you have essentially infinite possibilities when it comes to using that software also meaning that there is a level of complexity um, with the application that uh, can be pretty daunting to a first-time user or a second-time user or a third-time user. Um, but when I saw all the features that it had in it without knowing how to use it, I uh, uh, really wanted to dedicate um, myself to figuring out how to optimize it for making sketch notes um, because it's got features that are extremely helpful. Layers, so you can have turn... Um, different things on and off, have different colored layers where you have uh, line work on one layer, color on another layer. Um, You can configure um, brushes, customize them uh, the way you like. In fact, um, I didn't know how to do brush lettering, and so um, I actually learned a little bit using the pressure sensitivity of the uh, Apple Pencil on the iPad and Procreate. 
um, and then learned how to do it uh, with uh, real brush pens um, afterwards. And it turns out that it was uh, kind of a fun way to learn. Um, then uh, there's a number of different um, number of different uh, aspects of it that have really um, made uh, uh, Procreate into a mature uh, software app. But basically, that's the uh, that's the app of choice for uh, for me. And occasionally, I'll put little tutorials out on social media when I come across uh, different features because, uh, like I said, it's a sophisticated tool, and uh, um, I try to help with uh, lowering the barrier to entry on that. Cool, cool. Uh, are there any other tools that you use in addition to it? Do you do any presenting from the device and do you just use Procreate for that? Or are there other tools that you maybe bring the Procreate drawings into on the iPad Pro? I do all of my presentations from my uh, iPad. And so um, I may use PowerPoint a little bit on my desktop PC, but then I'll export to PDF. Um, and most of my presentations have some hand-drawn visuals that I'll import into the PowerPoint and then convert to PDF. Um, but in addition to that, I also give presentations that are themselves uh, based on a sketch note. And so there's a nice app called Tour. Um, it's not spelled like it sounds. It's uh, spelled T-A-W-E. And that allows you to import an image and then plan a tour around that image, both zooming and panning and going from one location in the sketch note to another. And I found for certain types of presentations, that's ex um, extremely effective. When I'm talking about the facility where I work, um, we have a number of different instruments laid out around um, an instrument hall. And so what that allows me to do is make my sketch note based on a, um, a schematic of the uh, of the instrument hall and then visit each of the um, instruments to show what each of them do. So tour can be a, a very nice application if, if you want to give a presentation from a single static image. Hmm, interesting. Now, I was hoping that you'd mention that. I know that uh, there are a few people that use that and it seemed powerful. I've not played with it yet, but um, thanks for mentioning that. We'll make sure it's in the show notes for people that are curious about these other tools that people are talking about. Um, so next up, um, let's talk a little bit to Mauro. Mauro Toselli, tell us about uh, your your uh, software choices. Oh well, uh, it's like uh, Michael. I have uh, a, a folder with a lot of uh, uh, app uh, for drawing, sketching, but I I use uh, just two or three of them. Mainly, I my go to app is uh, is paper. Paperball 53 because uh, it's uh, because it's simple user interface because I have uh, uh, I already uh, I, I'm used to that I know how to uh, to expect I am uh, I became a patron uh, uh, since uh, they started this program so I have uh, the pro version since the beginning all the new feature uh, suit very well for my style of uh, of sketch routing it's uh, it's enough for me sometimes i mm, i feel uh, i miss the uh, the layer uh, the ability to use the layer but uh, using the background image and uh, making copies and copies and copies and uh, importing uh, uh, in uh, in paper i can uh, okay it's uh, 
I uh, is not uh, uh, not having the ability to not having the layers is not so uh, blocking uh, blocking for me. I switch. I started to work uh, with uh, with paper since the beginning because it's very it's very close to working with uh, with real paper. Hi, uh, when I started uh, sketchnoting digitally, uh, I had this uh, this struggle because, and uh, we also talked uh, at, uh, at in those days on uh, on uh, on Twitter. There uh, there were some conversation: is uh, sketchnoting digitally uh, cheating? <laughs> some kind of uh, cheating? I think we are over uh, over it, and uh, it's not a problem uh, problem anymore. But as I'm kind of uh, purist uh, it well <laughs> using uh, using paper uh, with uh, limited tools uh, limited uh, functionality uh, suited me very very well the export uh, the the ability to export in uh, uh, pdf or png and uh, sending uh, the images uh, through various uh, storage system like uh, uh, Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever it's uh, it's okay it's okay for me i use it uh, both for myself and for work i i i draw i make a presentation uh, also for uh, for customer when when we go to present a solution of uh, uh, for for the company i make uh, i made a presentation and uh, uh, export in pdf and uh, they work uh, very well another app i use is adobe draw because you can connect uh, through uh, adobe suite you can connect directly to to illustrator so i draw what i need and then my my girlfriend which is a graphic designer and know how to use uh, uh, illustrator very well uh, they can uh, refine and uh, work with it it's a battery sucking uh, app but uh, it's uh, it's okay the third uh, app i i use uh, sometimes is uh, astropad which allow you to use uh, the uh, the iPad as a second screen, and uh, I can draw uh, from uh, from the iPad directly in uh, in Photoshop and control uh, control the app. Uh, I control the the Photoshop directly from uh, from from the iPad, which is very which is very good. Other, hmm. occasionally I try new stuff. Uh, I uh, I used to work in uh, the old, uh, now retired uh, uh, work visual art from uh, from Holger Holger Hoffman, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's okay. It's uh, it's just a question of the time to market. Uh, if I go on uh, on paper, I know that in. Uh, uh, in a reasonable amount of time, I get the I get my my result, uh, and uh, it's okay for me. Mm-hmm. That sounds really good. Um, let's go then to our final uh, panelist, Steve Silver. Tell us how what software are you using and how to use it. Like Prof, I think I own all of the drawing apps, and also like him, I only use a few. My top three drawing apps would be Procreate, Note Shelf 2, and Paper. I've been using both Procreate and an app called Flip a Chip in some experiments with animation. And like Rob, I've used Tor for presenting workshops from Sketchnotes. 
I only scratch the surface of the myriad of features with Procreate, and that's okay by me. If I find there's something I can't do, I can always ask Rob because he's deep under the hood there. Uh, I've been using high-resolution canvases lately, and that limits the number of layers, which forces me to think forward when drawing, which has been a big benefit for my workflow and, and how I process information. And as a bonus, now that Procreate includes the ability to import fonts and type text, um, my streamline uh, workflow has become even more streamlined. Regarding NoteShelf, it's, it's a really interesting application. I find it to be extremely useful because it couples solid drawing features with text recognition. So I can write notes and have the app convert my quickly written scribbles to a custom font that's a neat version of my own handwriting uh, and export the whole thing as PDF or any other feature. Mm-hmm. That sounds really great. Um, <clears throat> like Mauro, um, I'm a, a paper user. I think recently we, I, it's hard for me to take it out of my vocabulary. It's not owned by 53 anymore. Or 53 was purchased by a company called WeTransfer, which uh, I think grew up as a transfer tool. Like if you had a big file, you couldn't email, you use this WeTransfer uh Software, so they've purchased um, paper, which has been a good thing, I think, and I think Mara would probably agree they're they're continuing the development of the tool. I've noticed just recently there was an upgrade where there's uh, patterns you can load up on the paper, and then the images you bring in, you can now rotate them and cut them and and make a make a collage out of them. So in some ways, it can sort of approximate layering. It's sort of hack a hacked uh, version of layering. I thought that I saw somewhere in a comment from uh, Georg, and he he probably couldn't uh, say this out loud uh, in detail, but it sounded like they were thinking about layers in there as well. It would be interesting to see how paper would handle layers. And then finally, I've, I'm also the, uh, I guess, a pro user of, of this tool because I use it professionally. It's not the cheapest. Um, it's a subscription model, which is different than Procreate uh, or others, which are, you know, one-time purchase with add-ons of, of different sorts. Um, so I pay about $12 a year for paper for these features, uh, but I find the tool so useful that it makes sense for me. Now that may be too expensive for some um, as well, but I mean for a basic drawing tool, uh, it works well. And I like Morrow, the same reason I use it is it feels the most like paper to me, um, but then it's just probably the one that I've used the most. So I might even say that about another tool if I focused on another one. Uh, the other ones I like, of course, um, uh, Procreate's one that I've played with a little bit. I probably need to do like Rob and disappear for a weekend and sort of get it sorted out in my workflow. And the last one I'll mention is um, Concepts for drawing. So I use Concepts because it builds on vectors. So if you're not in the design business, vectors basically allow you to modify and move points around uh, so you can change the drawing. And then the other beauty of it is it scales because everything is based on these points and mathematical equations. Uh, you can make it really tiny or you can size it up and it still retains the quality. Unlike if you draw in pixels, as you zoom into them, the pixels get rougher and larger. They don't scale. So there, if you need that, that can be an advantage. Uh, and then finally for presentation, I use uh, NoteShelf 2. Uh, Steve is sort of challenged me a little bit to maybe try doing sketchnoting with it. I haven't done that yet, but it does seem pretty powerful. And I like the fact that I can bring in uh, images from paper and then organize them how I like. And as I present in the whiteboard mode, it doesn't show any of the Chrome 
like if I slide out the the list of pages and I jump from page to page, uh, the viewer out in, in the audience doesn't see that. They just see whatever's on the screen. So it's uh, very well done. So those are uh, some of the software that I've seen. Um, would you guys say that uh, probably the most advanced of the two is probably more likely in software? Would you guys all maybe agree with that? Is there anyone who has a comment around so- the software maturity, I guess, in the last three, four years? All right. If there's one thing that I like about Procreate, um, and I, I think it's 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 been there the whole time, but a lot of people don't know about it, is there are several uh, features on screen recording. Um, so as you go through and use Procreate, it does track your, your movement stroke by stroke, um, and you can play that back in a time lapse. And I have found that really um, uh, valuable when it comes to doing uh, animated white uh, sketch sketch notes like a, a whiteboard sketch note and so you can actually export um, that out uh, into a, a video file and you can take that in for another editor I worked on a grant with a pharmacist and a communication expert and we created a series of whiteboard animations based on um, pacemakers and it would became a, a really interesting way to uh, to build that that whiteboard animation and go bit by bit one of the other things Procreate has the power to do is actually stream live on YouTube. So if you have YouTube on your iPad Pro, you can actually go through and stream live and it will actually show two windows. It'll have a large window that you can draw in and it will even show your camera so that you can turn that off and on depending upon if you want people to see you or not. But you can do live tutorials, you can do live sessions um, straight with that. And so I've actually done that with some students on some critiques where I've loaded their image up in Procreate, put a layer over the top, and then I'll turn on that recording and I can either broadcast it live on YouTube or just record it to my iPad. And I can actually make physical notes on the on the work and then send them the video file afterwards. And so those are two little hidden gems um, inside of Procreate that I'm not sure anyone on this panel has, has used extensively, but it is really kind of cool to be able to, to go through and to, to use those. And another trick that I've learned, and I think some of you have used this before, is when you do a presentation um, on a big projector, um, what I do is, is people think I'm actually really good at what I do, uh, and I am, but the the thing that I like about it is I can take a, a drawing or something I'm going to do in a, in a workshop or in a presentation, and I can have the slide already drawn, but I lower the opacity down to like 5%. Where I can see it on my iPad plain as day, but if you project it onto a screen, the uh, gamma and contrast issues are different that they'll see a blank screen. And so as I'm trying to fill in things, uh, like one of the things we, we have is, you know, like building an icon library, we may have the words on the screen at full opacity for the people to see but we may have a little sketch underneath that's the 5% that people can't see. And all I'm doing in my presentation is tracing over what I've already drawn. And people think it's like, wow, you pulled that out of thin air. Um, so, you know, there's a magician revealing his trick. Um, but, you know, having that kind of contrast, and it does work in in paper, it does work in, in Procreate, it does work in concepts, it works in all those different things. And sometimes even, and Rob and I talked about this uh, a while ago, um, in Procreate now, there are a bunch of grids, dot grids, uh, line grids um, that you can have that you can actually just lower the opacity on those too. 
and you can go through and and so people think you're writing on a straight line and you're drawing these really neat boxes and being very organized when really all we have is just a cheat sheet underlying it um, that helps us through the through the presentation. Um, not trying to be dishonest, it's just something we can do to, to help us through and to keep us on track. So that's something in Procreate that I've grown to really love and appreciate um, about going, th going through and, and, and doing that. Hey, thanks for the cheat sheet, Prof. I mentioned before that the split screen's useful. Uh, I do a lot of sketch noting from text that someone else has written on a topic. I use an app called Liquid Text, which I should have had in my top three. Uh, to import the text file, then highlight important points and doodle in the margins. Then I'll pull up Procreate and Liquid Text in split screen mode and begin sketching with the reference side by side. And even for those apps that don't support split screen like Kindle, switching between apps is fast and simple enough to not disrupt my thought process. Just simply having the ability to just carry around a single device and have it function seamlessly in so many ways makes the iPad Pro big screen worth the investment for me. Hmm. That's pretty that's a pretty nice feature. You just have one device, you can be anywhere you like and bring up that reference and and work, which is really great. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the iPad. Uh, even in the larger size, it's just so portable and you can take it anywhere and use it anywhere. So, that's a really cool idea. I think a lot of times I forget that there's a split screen. Sometimes I do it by accident. So, it's interesting that you're making use of it and making part of your workflow. That's good to remember that there's these tools have so many features that we often just don't even think about using. Now let's let's move on from software, and now we're going to get back into some, uh, I guess, related to hardware accessories. So what kind of accessories? I know there's been a big discussion lately. I know there's a pretty long thread with Rob and many other people jumping in uh, around uh, the USB-C port and some of the issues around it. Uh, things that are uh, challenging, but also there's, I think there's some advantages. Um, since I mentioned Rob, why don't we talk with you about your your adventure down the down Kluge Lane to uh, solve the problem at work? Okay, so I have a, uh, a workshop I'm giving in a couple weeks, and um, what I hadn't done is tried to output video um, from my iPad with uh, with sound. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I came across this issue where uh, neither adapter or any of the adapters that I had, uh, none of them would work um, giving audio out as well as video out when it came to a VGA projection system. And so um, the kludge that I think um, uh, somebody from um, Twitter posted that they were able to come up with is a USB-C uh, to VGA out um, adapter that had in addition to the uh, the VGA uh, connection, but it also had the three and a half millimeter audio out, and um, but unfortunately, it also needed uh, USB into that jack to power it. Um, and uh, to top it all off, that had to be converted into an HDMI. Um, so you have this uh, little network link uh, that goes into your. VGA projection system that, uh, by the way, is also touchy because um, if you uh, if you move your iPad um, a fraction of a millimeter, then you lose the audio signal and the video signal, so you just can't touch it. <laughs> um, so that's the best that I've been able to come up with. Um, my IT folks actually found a uh, 
a different solution by a company that um, does uh, uh, does it through Wi-Fi. So there's a Wi-Fi out from your uh, from your iPad that uh, that basically means you have to have your um, audio visual system in your conference room linked into this um, linked into the special system. So that's the route that I'm going because the other one's just too touchy and I can't afford in a workshop where time is really limited or in some other scenario where there's a lot of pressure to, uh, perform in a compressed time period to have something go, uh, go awry. So, um, that's one accessory for the, uh, for the output. Um, so I do a lot of presentations. So having the VGA out and the, uh, the, um, HDMI out is, uh, is essential. Um, the other, uh, two sort of accessories I have for my iPad that are really important. Um, I alluded to initially of having a rubber grip on the, uh, on near the tip of my, um, Apple pencil. And, uh, so what I do is I just have a hack. One of my favorite analog pens is the Uniball Signo 207 bold gel ink pen. And so, uh, whenever those are empty, um, I'll just, uh, pull off the uh, rubber grip from that. And that slides on perfectly and is nice and um, uh, fits nice and tightly around the uh, the pencil. And that's perfect for me. The grip is just right. The other um, accessory I have is the AlumaShield um, screen cover, which, uh, um, you know, I originally got at your uh, suggestion, Mike, for my old um, iPad Pro. And now with the new screen, the new form factor, the lack of the... Um, the, the disappearance of the home button, Luma Shield came up with um, a series that uh, that now fits on the uh, or a version that fits on the new iPad Pro, and it gives you a little bit of tooth for drawing. So there's just a little bit of resistance that uh, it no longer feels like writing on glass or ice, which to me is a bit uncomfortable when I'm trying to do some uh, precision um, type lines and things like that. Hmm. That's often the first thing that I recommend to people. And usually I have my iPad Pro in the office. I think there's three people with iPad Pros. And I said, here, try this. And they're like, what? how does your iPad Pro feel that way? And I said, well, I have a, a matte screen cover. And here's, I'll send you a link. And usually the next day they've got one on their iPad Pro. So I think it's, it's sort of a game changer for most people. Um, it would be interesting to see if there's people that have an opposing view that like that drawing on ice feeling. Maybe they're, they may be out there. So... Uh, Michael Clayton, I was going to bring you in because I think in the discussion a discussion around this kludge that uh, Rob has been sort of struggling with, uh, I think you found some kind of an adapter that may solve the problem, but you haven't really tested it. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've discovered? So yeah, after seeing you know Rob's uh, tweet on Twitter to with the problem of of going VGA out with the audio, um, I was just looking around Amazon and I found this adapter uh, by a company called Aokin. Um, it's a USB-C to HDMI, VGA, and audio adapter. So it's got all three in the front, um, HDMI on the, on the left, the VGA in the middle, and then the audio on the right, and the USB-C uh, connection. And so I ordered it um, on the 11th, and I got it on the, uh, on the 13th. So I've had a couple of days to, to play with it. Um, the first test I did is I plugged it in and just tried to get audio only. Um, and it would not engage the, the dock connector at all, um, with just audio only. So I hooked it up to one of my monitors via HDMI and still had the audio plugged in for the headphones. 
And lo and behold, the iPad picked it up and it saw the dock connector. And not only did it do audio and video through the HDMI, but it also did audio through the headphones. Um, so there was no way to, to disengage and separate um, the, the HDMI audio and the audio through the audio jack. You know, that's, that's pretty good. And so um, I went to an old monitor and hooked it up via VGA and got the same thing. As long as the VGA was engaged, the audio port was engaged. And so I could see the, the image on the screen, but I could also see or hear the audio through the headphones. Um, so again, you know, it, it's not an audio solution by itself. There's a $9 adapter you can get at Best Buy, um, that just goes, uh, USB-C to, to audio mini jack. Um, but, uh, this little $20 adapter seems to, to solve those issues. It doesn't need to be powered by an external source. Um, it's not touch sensitive that if you bump into it, uh, that it, it, it goes back and forth. Um, let the record show Morrow just held up the little $9 adapter that you can use to go USB-C um, to, uh, to audio. This is actually lightning to audio, but it's the same kind of thing that, that Apple released with the, with the uh, iPhone 8 mm -hmm. and 10. Um, so, yeah, this little, this little Aoken adapter, $20. Bucks. Um, on the Amazon site, in the description, it does not say that it's for iPad Pros. It says that it is for um, MacBook Pros, Chromebooks, Dell, Samsung, Sony's, and even LG TVs can, can use these. Um, but uh, in the notes, someone said that they had tested it with an iPad, and that was good enough for me to throw down 20 bucks and see if it, if it works. And so um, hmm. it, it does. Um, I also have... Um, a couple of accessories um, that that I think work well, um, and I'm just going to talk about it from an academic standpoint. So for those of you who are looking for um, academic, there are two things that I want to talk about. Uh, number one, um, you know, we all remember the overhead projectors uh, that we saw when we were kids. You know, we walk into class and they've got the overhead projector with the little plastic on it. They draw with the markers and it projects up onto the up onto the screen. Well, you know, we graduated to a thing called an Elmo, which was an overhead camera. Um, and so Ergotron and different people had uh, these different setups for that. Well, when the iPad Pro came out, you know, back in 2011, um, some companies started coming up with solutions where you mount your iPad into an overextended arm and you could use that the camera on it uh to project up onto the onto the screen and so um about seven years ago uh belkin released something called the belkin stage it was a platform that is about uh, 20 inches by 16 inches and it had an arm going up the side that had an arm coming out that you could put an iPad mini or a full-size iPad up there, and you could use its camera uh, connected to a projector to view things up on, on the screen. Um, but Belkin has, in, in the Belkin Stage, it also came with an application called the Belkin Stage Pro, where you can actually annotate um, on the overhead projector. So you can have the object underneath, the book underneath, the drawing underneath, whatever it is, and you can record you can take screenshots or you can use a very rudimentary pen system and draw and annotate things. Um, and so educators found that wildly uh, intuitive and extremely uh, helpful. 
Um, for me in teaching sketch notes, I like to teach on paper because not everyone has an iPad or some digital device. And so I could put my moleskin underneath that um, on, the, on the stage and actually record um, the demonstration and upload it to YouTube uh, or to Vimeo or to other places. Um, so the Belkin stage when it came out was about $200. You can now find it for 80 to 120 bucks. Um, and then the app, there's a free version of it. And, uh, the pro version I think is like $5. Um, so the, the Belkin stage stand, uh, mixed with the app is, is really good. If you don't want to get that big solution, there are other solutions you can use, uh, that you can mount your iPad to. And I'll give Mike these for the, the show notes. Um, one of them that's also available on Amazon uh, is something called the, the SIEG, that's the S-I-I-G, uh, Full Motion Easy, Easy Adjust Universal Tablet Desk Mount. Um, it is just an armature that has a suction cup that mounts onto the table, and then at the top of the armature, it has a sliding grip that can extend to encapsulate uh, an iPad mini up to the 9.7. Uh, you can't go big to the the 12.9 iPad. It's it's not gonna the jaws aren't gonna clamp that big to to grab that. Um, but it will do the the iPad mini um, all the way up to the the iPad nine nine inch. And then you can just use the camera um, on the iPad, or if you want to use um, the Belkin uh, Stage Pro, you can just buy this the software separately um, and use it that way. Um, and it, it folds up really small. You can take it with you. Uh, when we did the first international sketchnote camp uh, back in Hamburg, I brought that with me. And a lot of people passed it around and used it. Um, it's only about $35 uh, for that uh, arm. And you can get it here in the States. And uh, I was sitting next to uh, Diana um, uh, Meyer-Sariot when I was back there for uh, the one we had in Lisbon uh, last year. And she was like, great, I want to get it. And so we found it on Amazon Germany, and she ordered it. And when I happened to check on Amazon US, it was actually price reduced down to $7.99 for some odd reason. So I bought four. <laughs> Don't ask me why, I just did. And so I've got a couple of boxes back there. You can, over my shoulder, if you guys can see, um, I've got two more back there. Um, but I have one at school in my office. I have one here. I keep one in my bag. Um, it's a really cool armature that allows me to, to take and show my sketch notes anywhere. And so I know we're talking about drawing on the iPad, but those are some apps and those are some accessories you can use to convert your iPad into an overhead projector or to an Elmo device and use in your classroom. Um, pairing that with the education bundle of that $400 iPad with the $100 pencil, um, yeah, for less than 550 bucks, you can have an overhead projector that's portable and you can use it in, in so many ways. Um, so those are just a couple of, of accessories that I like that aren't quite the norm of what other people would want accessories for for their iPad. Mm -hmm. That's really good stuff. I think uh, you having really pushed this with the classes you're teaching, you're sort of exploring all these uh, unusual things that maybe a sketch noter might not think of. Um, those are really great. I think uh, using your iPad as a as a portable camera is really helpful. I use that in my workshops, taking photos of people's work so I can project it. Um, but doing it live is really interesting, where you could uh, capture drawing uh, that way. 
Well, and even Interesting. In, um, even in the in the in the Apple, just in the in the camera software they have on that, um, you can you do a straight up record. Uh, you can take pictures. But one of the things that my students have really appreciated is the time lapse. Um, so when I'm working on something in class with them, um, I just hit that time lapse button, and Apple has a little algorithm that spins around and takes a picture every once in a while. That I think if it's between zero and three minutes, it's a thirty second. If it's over, if it's three to eight minutes, it's a one minute. And if it's over eight minutes, it's a certain ratio. But yeah, one of the, when my students, they always ask me, I want to see you do a sketch note. And so I started uh, just in my regular sketch notes, setting up the camera, putting my paper underneath and then uh, just drawing and using the camera just to capture a time-lapse. So whether you're using the Apple camera to time-lapse something analog or you're going into Procreate and using the time-lapse uh, to show how it how it comes digitally, um, that becomes a, a really good tool um, to, to show people your process and, uh, hmm. and how you do things. Hmm. Cool. Well, that, those are some great um, comments for accessories. Is there, are there any, is there anyone else who uh, is using some kind of unique accessory or something that uh, might be useful for someone working an iPad? Sounds like um, we're all pretty straightforward users. I think, um, I imagine we all use cases for our devices. Maybe we can just do a quick a lightning round where we talk about the case you use. I found uh, it's it's like the Apple-like case with the magnetic uh, connector for the iPad Pro, the new one. But I think it was like $12 or something like that on Amazon. It works great. It folds up so I can roll it up and stand it up uh, either upright or uh, on the table so I can draw with it. And that, that's been really great. And then I just bought a, um, a felt case to put the, the pencil and the iPad pro in because, um, I just didn't trust the pencil magnetic connection when I would drop it in my bag. I noticed it was popping off pretty easily. So I know there's other cases that actually have the, the pencil connector built into it that you can just snap into. So is there anyone who has an interesting case that you're using, uh, for the work that you're doing with the iPad Pro? I use the uh, smart keyboard from Apple. Um, and uh, I found that the um, the magnetic connection um, is sufficient for the way I uh, carry my iPad around with me because I've got a zip-up folio that's just a little bit larger than the um, little bit larger than the device itself. And so I just take the uh, the iPad Pro with a smart keyboard connected to it and the Apple Pencil magnetically connected to it and just slide it into the uh, zip-up folio, zip it up, and I carry that with me. So I don't have to worry about it breaking or anything like that. That's a great solution where you just sort of wrap the whole thing up all packaged together. And then I imagine the advantage is your pencil is always ready to go and, and charged, right? So, Yep, sure uh, is. And the pencils do charge pretty quickly with a – you snap it on and – Pretty quickly, it'll charge right up. Um, Rob, one last question for you. Do you still use, I remember way back when, you would use uh, sort of like a glove with three of your fingers were covered and then the others are free to draw. Do you still use that glove? Yeah, you're right. I did use that um, early on. And I'm not sure exactly um, if there was an issue with uh, the, uh, the palm rejection with Procreate or if it was the device itself. Um, but one thing that, uh, that's happened, um, is that they, um, that I no longer have a need for it. Um, so I don't use a glove anymore and I'm still, 
uh, you know, I rest my hand and my, uh, my palm on the, uh, on the device when I'm drawing in between, you know, making strokes, even keeping it resting on there and just moving the, uh, the pencil around. So it, uh, it works pretty well. Hmm. And I'm sure, you know, you see upgrades coming through in the iPad pros. I'm sure they've increased that, uh, palm rejection capability. So that's, that's, that's good to hear. Um, so maybe to wrap up the podcast, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, your opinion, upgrade or not upgrade. What are the benefits and disadvantages? I, I would maybe start out myself and say, unless you have a really pressing need to upgrade for speed or some other, and you just like having the latest thing. I, I had a real hard time switching from the nine seven. I mean, my wife definitely could use the the original and she is using, she's loving it, but there was, I had a real hard time making the decision until, um, uh, knowing that Gail really needed a new iPad and that helped me with that decision. Like I could have probably continued using my original for probably another year or two, I suppose. Any other opinions about that? Steve? I think it's a personal preference thing. I find that I want to buy a device that's overpowered and I'll grow into. So the upgrade was worth it for me. On the other hand, each and the entire array of iPads is extremely powerful. If money's not an object... Have fun and upgrade. If money is a driving factor, just rest assured that not having the latest and greatest doesn't exclude you from 90% of the features. Hmm. I think that's probably, you know, I've always been taught too when you buy computers to buy the most expensive or the most powerful thing you can in that moment that you can afford. Sort of gives you more of a principle. And that way you tend to have something that'll last a little bit longer and not run out of power. I think I, I back what Steve says, you know, you need, just get what you want. You know, if you, if you can afford it, go ahead and do it. If you can't afford it and then go ahead and get what you can afford. Um, you know, as a person who went from the large 12.9 down to the 9.7, um, I just wanted a smaller form factor. Um, yeah, I, I was enamored, you know, by the, the large 12.9 screen. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I watch a lot of, uh, Netflix and Amazon prime, you know, when I'm sitting in my office, I may have it just propped up running something in the background as a, as another thing. Um, and for those purposes, I just like, so when I get the next one, I want to go to something a little bit smaller. Uh, when the 17 inch MacBook pro came out like 10 or 12 years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that one. It's going to be the big screen and everything. Well, after carrying it around for three weeks, I hated it because it was just so big that one of my faculty was like, I'll take it. And so I gave it to her and I went and bought a 13 inch MacBook Pro. And I was like, this is so much nicer. It's it's an easier form factor and, and everything. And while I did ultimately settle on the 15 inch one a few years later, to me, the 17 was too big. I thought I'd have that fear when I got the 12.9 inch iPad Pro and it wasn't, you know, like you've said, it fits really well into the sleeve of a, of a 15 inch um, uh laptop computer so i was i was zipping um my ipad pro and my laptop into the same end case and carrying them around together um you know just putting the pencil in there in there with it um but i think that that when i did the upgrade you know this last month i i went with the smaller form factor just to see what it's like and so far um as far as portability and carrying it around it works well now when my pencil shows up this week and i can start drawing with it i may long for that extra you know two diagonal inches of real estate. But for right now, I, I, I can't see myself complaining too much about its, about mm. its, its, its size. And uh, one of the things too, is my old iPad only had 
I think the 256 or 512 memory inside. And especially when you're doing a lot of layers and a lot of video and things like that, the iPad can fill up really quick. So I actually opted for the smaller size and the larger. I think I have a terabyte inside um, on this one. So I compromised um, size for space inside to be able to hold more stuff. And so I think those are some things you have to you have to look at when you when you go to purchase mm. it. All good wisdom from you guys, Mauro. Yeah, uh, I'm a kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, I work in IT. I'm a, I'm an estate director, and uh, and uh, <clears throat> at work I'm very hungry, and uh, uh, I I need always need the last technology, the strongest, the bigger, uh, uh, very fast processor, very fast uh, uh, SSD, uh, uh, and. Uh, you know, and you you never get enough at home. <laughs> it's quite different. Yeah, it's quite mm. different because uh, I I I have to be realistic. And uh, as uh, Steve said, is uh, not only the return of uh, investment. Uh, okay, and uh, because I thanks God I can afford to buy a new. Uh, a new iPad Pro, uh, 12.9 inch, and a new Apple Pencil. But really, uh, I don't need it. it what I have is, uh, is just enough. Maybe hmm. uh, I can use that money for something more uh, useful uh, for, uh, I don't know, even charity, I, whatever. And uh, I'm fine for, for what, I, what I have if uh, I don't uh, arrive at the... At the bottom of the barrel and uh, and start scratching, uh, it's uh, I stay where I am. It's fine for me the <laughs> the old one. Well, and I think that's maybe the good message from this is that it seems like now you know almost four years in, there's many price points you can come in and you can buy the the four hundred dollar one, which uh, will certainly work with the pencil. You can buy a refurbished one if you want to take advantage of someone else upgrading. Or you can buy the newest one and really push it if you find that you need it. So uh, that's the good news. There's lots of options for sketchnoters that want to use an iPad and sort of get into it. Especially if you are not sure about it, you can sort of step into it or maybe maybe find someone and, and use it for a day or something and make sure that you can use it. So uh, that's the good news. There's lots of options. Um, well, thank you, everyone, all these guys, for being on the show. Uh, Mike Clayton, Rob DeMio. Mauro Ticelli and Steve Silbert for taking time and, and sharing your opinions on the iPad Pro. Hopefully, this has been useful for you uh, listeners out there who are considering it, either have one and thinking about upgrading or haven't really made the step yet uh, that you got some valuable information. And if you're into the, the iPad Pro, that you've got some good ideas for accessories uh, that you can use. And I'll make sure and have the guys make make a list of all their favorite accessories and we'll put all these in this. This will be a massive show note, I have a feeling, with all kinds of links. So take a look in the show notes. And uh, until the next episode of the Sketchnote Army podcast, this is Mike and Mike and Rob and Maro and Steve signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Sketchnote Army podcast. This podcast was created by me, Mike Brody, and is edited and produced by John Schiedemeyer, who also created the theme music for the show. Special thanks to Chris Wilson for the show notes each episode. 
To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook, either for yourself or a friend. You can find the books at Amazon or go to peachpit.com and use the code RODY40 for 40% off. Thank you.